Alright, all you good, wonderful citizens of Crypt Nation. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Thursday. I know I am, well, I wouldn't say I'm having a wonderful, wonderful Thursday. The markets have been uh, a little depressing recently, I'm not going to lie. Things have been uh, looking like they're recovering, but the last couple weeks we've been in quite the correction here. Uh, Pizza Mind, how are you holding up? I hope it's not taking too much of a, a toll on your emotions here on the 24th episode of the Weekly Fire. Are you freaking kidding me, man? Like, the coronavirus is spreading. I just had to cancel my trip to Switzerland. I didn't even want to let you in my house today. Like, you could be infected. I could be. You could be. You might be the death of me, Bryce. <laughs> Light up my life for so long, and now you're going to be the death of me. Well, I, I think we're, I terrible. Think, I think we're going to be okay. Uh, you know, we're here in the United States. And I don't even want to play into all the media hype around this whole thing that's going on with the coronavirus. I, I kind of just have a feeling it's getting overblown. This happens every, you know, three or four years. You're going to get the Ebola scare. You're going to get SARS. You're going to get mad cow or bird flu or, I mean, you name it. Yeah, this time they're burning people alive, man, just to clear up more bed space. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, anyhow, let's talk Please about take the wheel, <laughs> Jesus, because we clearly are drunk. Let us talk about the important things called cryptocurrency. How about that? Well... How's the crypto weather report looking, Bryce? Any more positive? Before I get into the crypto weather report, I want to um, do a quick reminder for everybody who's listening uh, that if you want to go deeper inside the Crypto 101 world, and if you want to get deeper involved in CryptNation.com, just go check out uh, Crypto101Insider.com. That's where you can kind of get access to all the trades that Pizza Mine and I are making uh, access to our portfolio, access to our market insights, our, our deep analysis, our newsletters, uh, our instructional videos, all that really exciting stuff uh, for just a dollar. So that is something really exciting. You could get that at Crypto101Insider.com. And I also want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by our latest, hottest sponsor, uh, COG Network. COG Network is simply geared for gains. So if you want to learn about COG Network and what that means, being geared for gains, go to www.cog.network to learn more. So on to the weather report. Pizza Mind, why don't I flip the script and have you start the weather report and tell us what you are seeing. It's raining blood. It's raining blood. Everywhere. I mean... Stock markets collapsing, crypto markets, well, correcting. Correcting. I'm just going to say correcting, not collapsing. I still feel very confident that we are in a bull trend. But we've been saying for a few weeks now, we think there's going to be one more retrace before Mm -hmm. we skyrocket. And we've been watching. And now I think we're on our fourth leg down. I feel like there might still be one more to go. But um, I've been selling off and buying back and... uh, just kind of playing the ebbs and flows, and it's a great time to uh, be shorting right now. Unfortunately, you have to be really, really careful because your stop losses will get liquidated. Uh, I put on a really amazing short on Litecoin last night. Oh, wow. And uh, if it had hit my take profit, which it did, I would have made fifteen grand off of a $4,000 entry. Wow. However, it shot up first. And triggered my stop loss oh, before actually boy. going down. So I didn't make it. Yikes. No profits for me. No profits for poor old little pizza mind. That's right. I'm definitely seeing um, we're at this point in the market where the altcoins are really leading uh, Bitcoin, right? In the short term. So we have Bitcoin set off this really long-term 
uh, bull trend really towards the beginning of, of the year, towards the end of last year, uh, started to tick back up after its you know main correction from June, right? So in to kind of recap, in 2019, we had the first half of the month, or sorry, the first half of 2019 was awesome. Uh, the market ticked up from 3K all the way up to 14K, really in the span of six months. I mean, it was a massive first half of the year. And then the back half of the year, uh, we found ourselves uh, promptly uh, gaining or, or losing all of the gains, uh, ma basically making it a 100% year-over-year gain for Bitcoin, which, you know, it's nice, uh, but it was not nearly as nice as being up 3 or 400%. So now, uh, after that retrace, we stabilized. Uh, we had an inverse head and shoulders in the uh, high 6Ks, low 7Ks. And we pumped back up to uh, about 10.5. Uh, and from there, uh, you know, which was about three weeks ago, uh, from there we've, we've really been in this correction. And I call it correction. I don't call it a crash. Because what it is, it, it looks just like a high time frame uh, bull flag, essentially, uh, where we have a low time frame downtrend in context of a high time frame uptrend. So that means if you look at a weekly chart, we're clearly you know, above significant moving averages. Uh, we're above our 200 day moving average and we are, uh, you know, heading upwards. But if you zoom in a little bit, uh, we're just coming down uh, a little bit and it's just not, it's not anything to, to really shake the bull trend. It's nothing that shakes out the long-term investors. What it does, you know, the, the, the character of a bull flag is something that shakes out short-term investors. So in the character of a, you know, a price correction is it shakes out the, the short-term investors. Everybody who has their stop losses at you know the 20-day moving average, the 50-day moving average, they all get liquidated. But the long-term investors who have their bids set patiently, I mean, some people wait months for their bids to get hit. That's why we always say the, the market is a mechanism for transferring wealth from the impatient to the patient. Um, it's something that you can never forget is that the, the patient bids are what are going to get hit. So I really wouldn't be surprised to see us come back and test this resistance turn support right here around, call it, eh, looking at the chart now, anywhere between 82.50 and 84.60 though that that's really my, you know, main buy zone here. Uh, for the weekly fire call out today, uh, you know, Thursday, the 27th. Uh, as for the altcoins, we're seeing those guys lead Bitcoin, meaning they're getting quick bounces. Um, they're getting oversold quicker, but then also, you know, coming back up through their moving averages uh, a lot quicker than Bitcoin. So we, we have Bitcoin set the long-term trend, and then we have altcoins set those short-term trends uh, and they're bouncing here pretty nicely today and yesterday. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about where we're at. Definitely not shaken. I mean, me, you and I have been in this market for years and we see volatility like this all the time. So it doesn't scare us. Uh, again, I'm getting friends out of the blue who are texting me about crypto. Uh, one of my friends texted me yesterday who I, I, I hang out with. Uh, we go out on the weekends every now and again. Uh, shout out to Brian. He goes, he's, he's, he's trading on Robinhood and he's, uh, you know, 
kind of panicking. He's like, well, Bitcoin is down so much. It's down 8,600. Uh, what do I do? Do I buy? Do I sell? I'm like, hey, man, it's a good dip to buy. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And so it was just funny to, to get a little note from my buddy. And uh, I'm getting notes from, from all sorts of different people asking me, what's going on in the markets? Is this it? Is this the end? Are we going back to 3K? Is Bitcoin done? All that kind of stuff. So guys, long story short, uh, we're still in a bull market. Don't get shaken out by short-term volatility. Uh, the the momentum indicators are just getting a little recharged. Price is basing, and we're definitely going to be making new highs here pretty soon. Um, so without further ado, why don't we just hop on over to Hot or Not. Hot or Not. Well, this week's section of Hot is pretty pitiful. We're like talking all twos or threes. <laughs> Definitely I, not tens. We, we got a couple gainers that uh, really defied expectations, and that is uh, Aon up 23%. However, it was up like 100% at one point. Yeah. And it's collapsed back down to 23%. So that'll tell you what kind of crazy run that thing was on. And I, I want to have a funny little story real quickly about Aon Network. Um <laughs> I was at my buddy, and I, th I think I might have told this story actually on Crypto 101 on the Weekly Fire before, but I'll tell it again since they're the number one gainer in the last seven days, trading uh, $26 million of daily volume today uh, against a $57 million market cap. But what was so funny was I was at my buddy's soccer game, and he's, I mean, it's like not professional, not semi-professional, just like a men's under 40 league or something, and... I look at his jersey, and it has AI on network on there. And I'm like, after the game, I go up to him. I'm like, dude, who's your sponsor? And he's like, I don't even know. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? I'm not, like, not looking at the shirts or anything. Never been to the website. And I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure that that's a cryptocurrency. Uh, and he's like, get out of here. There's no way. And then sure enough, we go look at the website, and it's the same AI on network. So... AION is doing some grassroots marketing at local men's soccer league jerseys. <laughs> and this week it paid off, it looks like. Uh, again, up 23% on the week. That's one of the coins that had the worst collapses during the bear market. I mean, it was down 99.x%. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it completely fallen off the radar. People wondered if it was, you know, completely dead. But no, it's been quietly in development and now it's surging right back and the last thing i'll note on ai on's performance this week uh yesterday wednesday the 26th it had the highest daily volume in its entire history so there's this principle in markets uh where price seeks volume and when price finds volume uh it oftentimes reverses so we have had a downtrend in this freaking coin for like pizza mind said almost three years uh, and we just found a lot of capitulatory buyer or capitulatory sellers, people who said, I've had enough, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And there was a market there, uh, a demand there to absorb it. So I'm actually pretty bullish on this coin here uh, going into 2020 and 2021. Uh, they definitely have strong fundamentals, but the, 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 the tokenomics were a little skewed. I think they had some lockups. Uh, that got released and, and some, you know, they were one of the the ICOs in 2017 that just quick cash grab and then we'll figure out what we do later. And they've built, but yeah, the, the price of the token has just gotten plummeted, absolutely hammered, but now it's a little bit better. So shout out to Luke for that one. After that, we have DX 
Uh, DX chain up 21.5% on 2.8 million daily volume, $89 million market cap. And then we have a fall off. Number three, Algorand only up 3.9% on 173 million daily volume. Whoa. And a $221 million market cap. After that, it's all downhill from here. Enigma leads the bloodbath down 51.8% on $2.3 million daily volume. And now a paltry $18.9 million market cap. <laughs> no one is sleeping in the Enigma project right now. Sweet Christ. I mean, for all the fundamental, like, you know, they've got really strong tech, right? They've got... Uh, Extremely private, smart contracts. Uh, they've got some really impressive partnerships, but 51% in a week down. I mean, if you guys are listening to this and thinking you want to get into crypto, but you can't stomach uh, the volatility, then you just get out now because <laughs> this is what it's about. That's why we say you never invest more than you could afford to lose. Have um, you heard any news about this? Like, is this an exit scam? A hack? No, no, nothing not it, at all. It's just crypto. So that's a hell of a dip to maybe buy. Uh, then we have Monocoin down 43% on $23 million daily volume, $111 million market cap still. And then Decentraland, Mana is the token ticker, down 41.4% on $30 million daily volume, $50.6 million market cap. This is not even an ouch. This is just straight up. Ah! But if you're in crypto, <laughs> you have to have the balls I think, to come uh, back from this. I I, uh, I remember hearing a lot of stuff on Twitter this week about Mana because they released their beta, and there was a lot of people like again, this is a sell you know buy the rumor, sell the news kind of event. So even though Mana is backed by uh, you know Barry Silbert, for instance, who is arguably the largest broker dealer of crypto in the entire world uh his his grayscale investment fund um all, all of the projects that he has digital currency group uh they have a a very strong interest in decentraland which is this uh virtual reality world whereby you could actually own uh chunks of these different little pieces of land inside this virtual reality video game uh, and you could, you know, have, you know, build in the future real businesses in here and, you know, lease out your land and stuff. So imagine you own this big plot of land uh, in this virtual reality world and, you know, a store like Macy's or Nordstrom's or whatever wants to come up and, and lease that land from you. Again, it's like this idea that's way out in the future. But I mean, I think that we're going to be spending a lot of time in virtual reality, uh, you know, 20 years down the line. So anyhow, it's like a really far out of this world concept. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that they released uh, their beta version like this week or whatever, and people on Twitter were like playing around with it, and like some influencers were just like, "Dude, like I'm in here, I have no idea what to do. It's a fucking ghost town." There were like all these uh, gifts that were getting made of people and like their little like avatars that literally like it looks like an eight bit just old school video game, and you're just like, "Oh my god, how does this thing have a fifty million dollar market cap?" Uh, and it's just you. It's just like you know a lot of hype and stuff. So I think that's why it's down forty one and a half percent this week, uh, because a lot of people just kind of realize like, hey, uh, this is a cool idea, but it's maybe a little far uh, from being a reality. So anyhow, that's that. That's hot or not. 
Let's move on to my personal favorite little segment here. This is called Fire Tweets. Um, one of my favorite uh, Twitter handles is this guy named Jeremy Ross. He's at Jeebus911. That's at J-E-B-U-S 911. On February 25th, again, we don't condone uh, what he is saying. It's just a joke. Um, but it was just kind of funny, right? He goes, meth is a better store of value than gold and it actual has actual utility in a societal collapse situation. So Jeremy is like this, uh, you know, epic, epic crypto trader. He's a legend and he's just trying to kind of poke fun at gold bugs. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was pretty funny. So that's why I wanted to post. And the other one is <laughs> he's just basically trying to say that like, Gold uh, is overhyped in that like people are always saying like, oh, you know, coronavirus is happening. Uh, the world is going to end. Everybody buy gold. And he's just saying like, you know, that's a fallacy. Uh, so I thought that was really funny. That one got a lot of retweets and likes. It shows you the quality of the people on crypto Twitter uh, for better or for worse. And uh, this other one is from a, a girl we follow named Justine. It's at the mean Justine. This was on February 25th. Uh, and this was, uh, she's kind of talking about, you know, Warren Buffett has been a lot in the news recently because of, uh, you know, he talked about Bitcoin on, on national television and how he's not necessarily a big fan of it. Uh, and then he had a dinner with a lot of uh, big Bitcoiners in the space. Uh, and that made national news as well. And so she tweets, uh, quote, Projects deemed, quote-unquote, worthless by Warren Buffett. Google, Amazon. This isn't in her tweet, but he also said Apple. He didn't understand. Uh, and then also hashtag Bitcoin. So he's already had to write apology letters to his shareholders for being so damn wrong about the first two. The third will come soon enough. Some people will never get it, and he's one of them, and that's okay. And so Warren Buffett is self-admittedly uh, not a technologist. He's a value investor. Again, arguably one of the greatest investors in the world. Uh, you know, he, nobody understands uh, value investing quite like Warren Buffett, and nobody's really built businesses uh, like him and found great deals. Again, Warren Buffett perhaps saved us from, uh, you know, the apocalypse when he bought, uh, you know, Wells Fargo in the um, in the financial crash of. 19 or sorry of 2009 and 2008 um when, when you know uh, ben bernanke and timothy geithner uh basically the guys that were and uh, hank paulson the treasury secretary the, the, and the chairman of the federal reserve these guys are coming out and saying we need somebody who's liquid that can save the banks from global catastrophe and all that stuff and we just need to save one bank we need to buy uh the assets you know for pennies on the dollar or else the entire you know the liquidity of the entire system dries up. And so Warren Buffett kept tempting the market lower and lower and lower. And the, these guys from the government, you know, Tim and Ben, they would come to him every day and saying, are you going to buy Wells Fargo today? Are you going to buy Wells Fargo today? Are you going to buy Wells Fargo today? Keep bringing it lower. Keep, the market kept crashing. market kept crashing. And finally, lo and behold, uh, I think it was March of 2009 when he finally picked up that bid and said, all right, this is the value that I could get behind cash flows. I'm going to look at, uh, you know, price to earnings, everything, look at the entire market environment and boom, pulls the trigger. And that is literally the bottom of the market. So that was a really cool, uh, thing, but again, didn't buy Apple, 
said Google was a scam, said Amazon was a scam, thought Apple was nonsense, just doesn't understand technology. And he's admitted in writing to his shareholders, there's letters out there that you guys could read. That he says, I'm wrong about these things. I'm sorry, but that's not my thing. I'd rather buy McDonald's and Coca-Cola and farms uh, and banks and all that stuff with projectable cash flow. So again, even though he says uh, he's not a big fan on Bitcoin, uh, it's probably because he's talking his own book a little bit, right? I mean, he's one of the largest holders of cash. I mean, you know, the world says he's the richest person or, or one of the richest people. But in reality, what does that mean? He's defending a position, a cash position, just like how if a hedge fund manager is saying, oh, Tesla is going to go uh, to $2,000. It's probably because he's in, he's in Tesla, right? Um, so again, he's defending his cash position and that's cool. We get it. We learned a lot from, from Warren Buffett. We've read his books, smart guy, but not a technologist. Do you have a friend who's interested in getting into cryptocurrency, but they don't know where to start building their portfolio? Well, we have the answer. It's called Copy Trader by eToro. With Copy Trader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders, just like myself or Bryce or Kevin, at the exact price point and in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply just sign up and copy our trades. Any profits that we make, you do too. Proportional to your investment, of course. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Moving on to scorched earth now. Speaking of buying Tesla, how about people who got absolutely burned buying Tesla at 900 and probably the same people also bought Bitcoin at 19000 So how do you know when to not FOMO? We're going to have a little discussion about that. Fortunately, neither Bryce nor I have made these mistakes, but here's why not. Because when you see these rapid price spikes and movements that conjure up those feelings of missing out on you, you have to train yourself to realize that is the absolute wrong time to buy. Because someone else who already bought in, they're looking to dump their bags on you. You There's an old <laughs> adage saying, you know, there's a, there's a sucker in every room. And if you can't identify who it is, you're the sucker. Right, yeah. That's 100% true when it comes to this stuff. So if you don't immediately realize that you're getting a good deal, you're the one getting picked on. How do you see when, uh, you know, the market's going up and it's a good time to buy in versus the market has peaked and it's time to stay away? Yeah, I mean, before I really get into how I tell if a market is, like, overheated or not, I wanted to... Tell a little story about a company that I'm sure everybody's heard, uh, Blue Apron. And Blue Apron is the company that maybe your mom subscribes to, or maybe you subscribe to if you're a bachelor, right? They send you prepackaged little meal kits that you can make and stuff. Everybody in, in 2015, 2016 thought this was just like the hottest thing in the world. And for reference, <laughs> Blue Apron was valued at $2 billion on the private market in 2015. Okay. Uh, by 20, I think it was 2018, they had about $660 million in revenue. So people were thinking, wow, they got great cash flows. This is a big business. They're growing, all that kind of stuff. Cash flows started to subside. Uh, they went public. Guys, this Blue Apron company has a market capitalization currently of 
$30 million. So they went from a valuation of $2 billion. All these VCs that went in, hyped it up, hyped it up, got in really low. They IPO'd, right? And they dumped their shares on the public. Uh, and how do you recover from that? It's just crazy. So I just wanted to tell that story because you brought up Tesla at $1,000, which it, you know is like 970 bucks a couple weeks ago. Now it's kind of stabilized around 700 or 800 bucks. Um, probably a little bit more downside to, to wipe out all the investors that, that got in into the into the FOMO. But one of the like the ways that I like to look at markets, you know, in regard. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Ufi video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. ...to if they're overheated or if they're really cold is just by using sentiment. Um, and I, I'm kind of I'm kind of like the, the go-to guy for my little, you know, cluster of, you know, my little network or whatever. Like people just know I'm in crypto, so they just text me all the time. And it's just so funny because the correlations between price and texts or, you know, it is just so high because I know when a market is bottoming out because I get fearful texts from friends. And I know when a market is topping out uh, because I get really, really, really excited texts from my friends. For instance, I was at Legoland with my girlfriend the other day and uh, she's like, hey, one of, my, uh, one of my coworkers wants to buy Tezos. Like, could you walk him through how to do this? And I looked at the price chart and Tezos is like parabolic. It's at four, $4. And, you know, I was buying it at, you know, $1.23 and telling her, you know, buy it at $1.23 or whatever. And she got in and she's making all this money and she's telling all her friends about it or whatever. And then, of course, like nobody believes it until you see you're up a few hundred percentage points. Okay, Uh, great. So now they text you and they say, well, how do I buy now? And that's when I knew I was like, oh, fuck. Well, now I should start selling my position because, you know, (laughs) you know, everybody's starting to buy the top and stuff. So. Long story short, you, I just use a lot of sentiment. You could use uh, sentiment trackers online. There's there's a different couple things that track social media activity and stuff to see uh, price relative to conversations and hashtags and all sorts of stuff like that. I really like to use, uh, you know, it, now it's a proprietary service uh, that we subscribe to called the tie.io. We've had Josh Frank on the show before, uh, but you could basically see um, how much uh, tweet volume and activity, you know, he uses some uh, natural language processing to really filter out through the noise to see things. Um, I really like them uh, and, and tracking sentiment and being able to see like, hey, people that weren't in the market, because really at, at the end of the day, right, prices are people and people are prices. The only thing that determines a price is a person. Uh, people don't really understand that a lot of the times. They think, um, you know, it's all just robots and chaos and stuff, but Really, it's just emotion, and people only act emotionally. And you know, a person only buys a stock or a crypto if they think it's going to go up. That is fundamentally what people do. They don't buy something if they think it's going to go down. And conversely, they don't sell something if they think it's going to go up. You only sell if things thinks it's going to go down. So, in the same way that like you know, prices and trends are self fulfilling prophecies, because once once a a market breaks, you know, a, a, a certain high or a certain low, momentum carries through because people say, oh, well, everybody else thinks it's going to go higher, so it's going to go higher. And so then you see a price rally. Or is it like what happened in Tesla? Like it broke out from its uh, all-time high, which was like around 360 or something. Uh, and from there, it just didn't slow down. And so I like to use momentum indicators uh, on like a long-term, like long-time uh long-term time frame chart like a weekly or something once i see a weekly momentum indicator topping out uh if it's you know bounded between zero and 100 and it's already you know by around like a 90 rating i'm like yeah you're not going to be a buyer in that market by any means 
Uh, technically, anything above a 70 on a, a bounded momentum indicator is a little overbought. And conversely, anything that is uh, on a 0 to 100 uh, bounded momentum indicator below 30, for instance, uh, that's oversold, and you should be looking at risk-adjusted long positions from there. But again, there's a great market maxim. You know, in bull markets, stocks and, and you know assets can remain overbought <laughs> for a very long time. And conversely, in bear markets, uh, assets can remain very oversold for a very long time. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where you just have to look at the sentiment. You have to be in the market. You have to be a market participant. You have to know how people are reacting at certain price levels. You need to understand uh, volume. Volume is a key, key indicator that I look at. Um, you know, if you have a, a market that is just traded, you know, it's been trending for, uh, you know, 30 days and it finally had its highest daily volume or whatever at the top. That kind of means, you know, it's found a lot of uh, sellers and price is probably going to reverse, right? Supply and demand. And so there's another saying that price seeks volume and when found, trend reverses. Uh, so, so that's another thing that I look at is making sure that, you know, volume and price are in uh, a healthy relationship and that there's not a over imbalance in supply and demand. Uh, but yeah, those are kind of the things I look at to see if, if the market's topped out. It's kind of a, a long winded answer. Uh, why don't we just hop back on over to our new or not our new, but our next uh, little segment that we like to top in here called smoke and mirrors where pizza mind and I uh, kind of get into a little debate uh, about really, you know, there's a lot of things in crypto that are elusive, let's call it, or elusive, uh, like they have illusions and all that kind of stuff. So smoke and mirrors, we just like to say, hey, is this real? Is this not real? Is this a, a, a legitimate narrative? Is this not a legitimate narrative? Pizza mind, what's the prompt? So really the question is how much of what's going on in the world on a macro scale really affects the crypto market? Or is it still completely existing in its own little bubble and it's going to do what it's going to do regardless of outside pressure? So the specific question is, does the coronavirus, which is slowing down the world economy, that is a fact, does that wipe out the upcoming bull run? Bryce, what do you think? Okay. Um, so the coronavirus, again, we made a little... Uh shtick about it here in the in the beginning it's a serious thing right it's it's not really going away right now i mean i've heard that they've had some what's it called some vaccines and stuff that they developed a lot of china is shutting down uh from what i've heard again i only hear a filtered you know stream of media from you know what can get out of china uh, in, into American mainstream. So again, I'm very skeptical of what I hear. Yeah, no one really knows the truth. Yeah, nobody knows the goddamn truth. Exactly. And so it's like you can make all these different, uh, you know, hypotheses and stuff, but who knows? And again, it's not like China's our best friend either. They're, it's not in their best interest to share all their data insofar as it's not, you know, Google's best interest to share all their data with Facebook. Like yeah. that's just not how the world works. People keep things to themselves um, and all that kind of stuff. And so... And it's not just China, but I mean, any government's job is to prevent mass public panic right, and exactly. chaos. So any world government is not going to tell the citizens the truth about this I mean, until it's, in, it's, it's way too late. It's in the charter of every single central bank, right? The constitution of this charter of every single central bank, they've got two objectives. Keep inflation low 
so we don't uh, have you know deflation essentially, but keep inflation low or have hyperinflation. And the most importantly is keep unemployment rate low. And because why would that be in a central bank's charter? It's because of the very reason that if unemployment is high, you're going to have riots and it's going to disrupt how society functions. But what's happening in China, uh, they have uh, all these manufacturing plants that, and you know, everybody is so closely uh, in contact, you know, on all all the different public transits and all that kind of stuff, the public markets, there's so much, they're shutting down. They are, you know, literally telling people, and I was talking to my buddy Clayton, shout out Clayton, who's over in Vietnam right now. Uh, I was talking to him because I'm planning a trip to Thailand, and he was saying, bro, I'm a school teacher over here in Vietnam, and we straight up don't work. Like, we haven't worked for a month, and nobody's allowed in schools. They've shut everything down. And I'm like, holy freaking crap. Like, that's something I haven't read in American media, that, like, all these elementary schools in Vietnam or Hanoi or, like, this little area that he's in are not even having kids in school. And then we hear these stories about, again, China shutting down the manufacturing plants because they don't want contamination to spread and all this stuff. So you have people that are sitting at home just like in fear, waiting, and like all this kind of stuff. And what's really happening is that there's this entire, you know, population that is historically, you know, even, you know, in the long term and in the short term, the most productive population in humanity that is now shutting down. And so what we're seeing in the stock market, like Pete's, you mentioned in the beginning of this uh, recording, that we uh, are seeing uh, equities, you know, U.S. equities and emerging markets and all sorts of different stuff start to sell off. We're seeing, um, you, you know, quite, you know, a 5% drawdown in one day the other day, 8.5% uh, on the week, which is something that should be a little alarming. And again, like we said, I said like maybe 10 minutes ago or whatever, that when people expect lower prices, they become net sellers. And when I see everybody else selling, I'm going to sell because, oh, well, crap, everybody else is selling. I'm going to sell uh, because we're all expecting lower prices. So the market is expecting lower prices and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy until we have some type of, you know, massive type of event that reverses the market. Um, so that's like the psychology of the market that we're in. Everybody, and I mean everybody, analysts from the conservative to the liberal side of the market are expecting just dreadful Q1 earnings for uh, you know Chinese companies, American companies, emerging markets, everybody. Because when China stands still for even a moment, for even a second, right? That means Apple can't get the phones they want. That means 100 million companies in America can't get the freaking batteries or the parts that they want. There's back orders. There's all sorts of different delays that happen when you know you even shut down a country for one day. Think about it, right? So now that there's having these continued, uh, um, what's it called? Just the this ah this disruption, right, in the workflow of an entire population that has really, 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 really far-reaching uh, and damaging effects on a macro economy. So I take the position that. Bitcoin is a asset, even though it's non-correlated to, uh, you know, equities insofar as it has different drivers of price, right? Um, I take the position that it is going to not have um, necessarily a great um, performance in the midst of all this equity drawdown, because when you want to sell equities, you're going to want to sell your other risk on assets, right? You're going to want to sell your Bitcoin. You're going to want to sell... 
um, your levered ETFs. You're going to want to sell everything because you want to be in a cash position ready to buy when things bottom out and resume an uptrend. So at, at, even though Bitcoin, everybody says, okay, Bitcoin is this asset that is uncorrelated and it should dump when stocks pump and you know vice versa and all that kind of stuff. I think right now it's tracking pretty closely to uh, the sell-off in equities because of the coronavirus and all that stuff. Uh, again, the halving is coming up in May of 2020 this year, which is going to have some really, really interesting effects on the market because we have a supply reduction uh, in this asset, which is unlike anything else. So from that respect, you know, it has a different driver of price, so it's non-correlated. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, if people are going to be net sellers of equities, they more or less should be net sellers of uh, other risk on assets like that. I think, you know, probably treasury bonds uh, are getting bid up right now. Uh, you have, you know, the real estate market is still, you know, holding up a little bit. But uh, yeah, manufacturing, you got the Dow Jones just getting hammered. You know, tech is getting hammered. The, the NASDAQ's at, you know, starting to break uh, major support levels and stuff. So I think that the coronavirus is, whether or not it's like this, you know, end-all, be-all, apocalypse freaking thing, it's definitely having a fundamental impact on the productivity of a nation, uh, which has rippling effects to the earnings of, uh, of you know, companies that rely on those kinds of materials and stuff. But what will it do to the Bitcoin bull run that we expect to kick off at sometime this year? I, mean, I, I think that it's a perfect storm that's brewing. It's shaking out the, you know, some hands that normally would be strong but are now weak and potentially giving the rest of us an even better buying opportunity. Because before this hit, Bitcoin was a powder keg ready to explode. We had to have all-time record-breaking volume just to cap the price in the low 10,000s. When it broke up, I mean, you saw the volume explode from you know the high 20s and 30s into almost $50 billion in volume last yeah. year. Daily volume, not weekly, daily volume to suppress the price from exploding even higher. And now that we've got this sell-off coming, um, I think this is very, very temporary. But uh, now let's say stocks continue to go down and you've got all these investors that are like, oh my God, how are we going to make money this quarter? You know, the economy is really, really slowed down. Well, cryptocurrency has always done its own thing. It's open 24-7. It doesn't give a damn about the rules. It's all automated. It's mostly bots anyway. Mm -hmm. They don't read the news. They don't care about what's going on. So if the price starts to pump, it's going to continue to pump. So if we're in an upwards bull trend, that's just going to continue. It doesn't care what's going on in the world around it. It's the trendsetter, not the trend follower. And I think when all these other investors who have not gotten into Bitcoin yet see, oh my God, there's still a way to make money. Can I get in now? By the way, yes, you can. Regulations are in place. Yeah. And I think we're going to see the greatest bull run of all time later this year, next year. That's my prediction. All right. Well, I love it. I'm excited to see how everything plays out. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess. Our guess is going to be as good as yours. But uh, guys, at the end of the day, you know, this is a revolution. And there's never been an asset class quite like crypto that trades 24-7, 365 freaking twice on Sundays and you know worldwide. I mean? Yeah, it's worldwide, right? This is a global, global revolution. 
um, you know, w- like for instance, for, for, for some context, right? The, uh, the, what's it called? The dot-com bubble in 2000, 2001, you know, that was a $7 trillion bubble. And that was largely confined to American stock exchanges. And, you know, when Bitcoin and, and crypto market topped out in, er, er, in late uh, 2017, it hit about an $800 billion market cap. Maybe it, it tipped into $900 billion, but it never got above that really, that, that trillion dollar mark. Um, but why am I saying this? I'm saying this because crypto has a much larger addressable market uh, than, you know, internet stocks, right? And that bubble was $7 trillion, which dwarfs, you know, the Bitcoin bubble that happened a few years ago. And this is a bigger market. So I'm saying that, you know, even adjusted for inflation, um, $7 trillion back then, you could make a good argument that that is 40 to $50 trillion of notional value of that bubble in today's terms. So I think that, you know, just, you know, to your point, Pete's, about the next bull run being freaking face ripping and face melting. Uh, absolutely, because we, we've seen it happen before and it's going to happen again. History often uh, often rhymes, right? It doesn't repeat itself exactly, but it rhymes. And so if you had a, a market that was, you know, majorly just an American uh, phenomenon, now you have a global phenomenon in 24-7 liquidity and in, you know, quite a less regulated market, I will not be surprised uh, once this thing cracks a trillion dollar market cap just to quickly, quickly rise uh, then after. But, you know, with, with that being said, I think we should just hop on over to the news and close this week out. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, yesterday, uh, Wednesday, we had a classic uh, ETF rejection for Bitcoin. It was the only one that was on the SEC's um, to-do list, essentially. Everybody else has withdrawn their claims. And this was an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, that was proposed by a up-and-coming company called Wilshire Phoenix. Uh, they are not nearly as big as some of the other uh, ETF guys, like, you know, Wisdom Tree who is, uh, you know, they do the most of the ETFs and stuff. This is a, the new up-and-comer, but they claimed, uh, you know, the SEC claimed that Wilshire Phoenix had not proven that Bitcoin uh, and the Bitcoin markets globally are sufficiently resistant to market manipulation. And again, like, you know, these are some, un- you know, Bitcoin trades spot on unregulated markets, more or less. You know, you could have your BitMEXs of the world that are God knows where they're uh, freaking... Uh, registered, you have the Binance of the world where God knows where they're freaking operating out of. And these things set, you know, index pricing points for the ETF. Um, and yeah, so they, they were hoping to buck this trend of, you know, market manipul like not being market manipulative, uh, or, you know, Wilshire Phoenix was in their argument for their ETF was saying, you know, we could, uh, back these ETFs with some U.S. Treasury bonds in addition to Bitcoin as to offset the quote-unquote potential for manipulation on these unregulated exchanges. So they thought that was going to get through because it was a mixture of U.S. T-bonds as well as Bitcoin, uh, but the SEC the 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 main you know the 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 consensus was that. Uh, that was not a good enough retort. However, Commissioner Hester Pierce, uh, a.k.a. Bitcoin Mom, uh, wrote this very, very, very long-winded um, kind of uh, 
what's it called? Like she did not agree with her commission's uh, ruling, a dissent. Thank you. She said that this was, uh, you know, it should have been approved. And what the SEC is doing is wrong. It's inhibitive to innovation uh, in that really this ETF should have been approved. So it's kind of interesting just to see that there's a little bit of infighting in um, you know a government institution like the SEC, who, whose main you know charter is to protect consumers. Uh, at the end of the day, retail investors, financial institutions, all that kind of stuff. They just want to protect people, and they think that you know they're protecting people by not allowing a Bitcoin ETF. So we'll see. Uh, definitely, I am of the opinion that we will not be seeing a Bitcoin ETF this year or anytime soon. It's just the nature of the beast, man. I mean, this thing was born in the dark and it's going to live more or less in the dark. Like you could trade these things on Robinhood or whatever, uh, contracts for difference. I think that's what they trade on Robinhood and, uh, you know, eToro and all these different things are CFDs. You're not actually holding the Bitcoin. Um, you're just trading price action on it. So yeah, again, I don't think that uh, an ETF is going to get approved anytime soon. What else do we see in the markets this week uh, in regards to news that kind of stuck out to you? Uh, we've got the Swedish Central Bank testing the e-krona. Uh, this is something they've been working on for a while. The corona? I think it's called a krona, isn't it? <laughs> no, yeah, it is. Just it's funny that it's... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so much going on right now. Uh, but yeah, so this the is Central their... Bank digital currency. Exactly. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. They're, it's they're coming. testing this freaking thing. That's right. So, and uh, that... And you know, the uh, the U.S. dollar version yes. should be coming sometime in the next couple of years too, right? Jerome Powell, who's the current uh, chief of the Federal Reserve, was talking yep. about. You know, we reported on this, I think maybe last week or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, when he was extremely excited about, believe it or not, private transactions on a uh, a U.S. centralized uh, ledger. But that he was just like, hey, basically at a high level, the American public is not going to love fully uh, transparent um, transactions across the financial system. So we need to have an element of serious privacy to the U.S. digital currency, um, the digital dollar, whatever they're going to call it. So that was pretty cool. So even if you're out there and you don't like Bitcoin, you think it's a scam, you don't believe in it still, central banks have already agreed that cryptocurrencies are the technology of the future. Right. The the technology of the future and the, the, the blockchain, right? That that technology that underpins cryptocurrencies is 100%. Whether or not cryptocurrencies survive, it's 100% going to be uh, what underpins, you know, the digital dollars and the digital liras or the kronas, or the pounds, or the euros, all that kind of stuff to make th- things a lot uh, more seamless and frictionless. I actually, just on that note, before we move on to this last bit of news, uh, read an article today, or sorry, yesterday, I suppose, and it was about the uh, Bank of uh, England that was saying that it is of utmost importance that a central bank uh, have a digital currency. So that was just another little note that the Chancellor of the Bank of England uh, put out there that it is coming, it is coming, it is coming. And lastly, we have Shopify. Most people know Shopify. They're a pretty big consumer-facing company, shop online on the internet, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, they joined the Libra Association. And the Libra Association, as, as most of you guys know, and if you haven't heard of it, it is the Facebook cryptocurrency. Uh, and this cryptocurrency is um, more or less supposed to 
be you know free of any fees, instant transactions, all that kind of stuff. You could uh, pay things through your Facebook Messenger wallet uh, in any you know any part of the world, all that kind of stuff instantly. Uh, so Shopify put out a little statement that they're really excited to join Facebook and explore this new piece of the internet that is going to be uh, fee-less and instant um, and global. So Shopify is on board with the crypto train, more or less. I guess it's fair to say at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, that is it. That was a long episode. That was 47 minutes. And we are about to get out of here. Again, if you want to go check out Crypto101Insider.com, you can find out a little bit more about what me, me and Pizza Mind are up to uh, and how to get a little bit more value out of uh, being a Crypto 101 member, being part of Crypt Nation, everybody. It's good to see you again. This episode is brought to you by COG Network. Go to www.cognetwork.com. These guys are geared for gain, and you can be too. All right, Pete. I'll see you tomorrow. I hope so, if I'm not dead. <laughs>mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.